Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. I hope it's a wonderful day wherever you are. And it's a wonderful day here. And you can call in and be a part of it. 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. Well, you know... One of the fun things about the show, particularly now I'm that I'm doing uh, new to three live, I know some of you listen on delay, but the news happens so much in this time of day that, uh, like, for example, I wanted to spend some time on this coordinated campaign against Facebook. If you saw major newspapers today, almost every single one of them had a front page story attacking Facebook, and I'll get there, but something else has happened. Merrick Garland has gone to the United States Senate. I need to set the stage for you on this story so that you know about it. Uh, The National School Board Association sent a letter to Merrick Garland calling for an FBI investigation into parents showing up at school boards. The School Board Association claimed that uh, parents were being threatened and bullied, or they were threatening and they were bullying, they were harassing, they were threatening, they were domestic terrorists. And Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, bit, formed a task force to investigate parents as domestic terrorists. Except there's a side of the story we did not know at the time. Turns out, the head of the National Association of School Boards coordinated with the Biden White House the Daily Caller, Chuck Ross, that they got the, through a FOIA, they got a lot of the exchanges, and you could see it was the Biden administration that actually helped prepare the letter and included certain language, including wanting to call parents domestic terrorists. It was the Biden administration that did this, and the National Association of School Boards worked with them on drafting the letter and sent it to Merrick Garland. Now we know that the board never approved it. The National Association of School Boards, their board never approved it. Now we know that the executive director or the CEO of the organization has been appointed by Joe Biden to serve in some capacity. It was all coordinated with the Biden administration to make parents look like terrorists. And we know this now. We know it was the Biden administration that did this. We know the board did not sign off on it. There was a big explosion. A lot of uh, state school associations walked away from the National Association of School Boards, demanded apologies. And members of the board have come out and said, we we had no idea. We didn't approve this. So now the attorney general is before the United States Senate today. I wish to play for you the exchange first between the senator of Nebraska, Ben Sass, and Merrick Garland, the attorney general. Um, we uh, we got we received a letter from the National Association of School Boards. No reason to believe no, you didn't receive an anonymous letter. White House political staff 
co-wrote it with this organization, which is why the organization has rejected it. You know these facts now to be true, and yet you still won't disavow your memo. Why? You didn't receive some objective, neutral letter because all these people were being threatened. You are, the res you are responding to a political campaign to politicize the Department of Justice. How big is the threat that American parents pose right now? When you, you lead a big organization, you have 100,000 plus employees. You have a lot of violence to go after. Are parents at school boards one of the top three concerns you face right now? Oh, that's been sass. And now here is Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas, who exploded over the issue. This is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. That's not correct. Thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that? should resign in disgrace, Judge. Ha! Huh. Y'all, so the reason the Republicans are angry here is we know for certain, it is not in dispute now, the political staff at the White House helped the head of the National Association of School Boards write this letter. We know that the board of the National Association of School Boards was never consulted. We know the board never approved the letter. And we know that after the letter was written, Biden appointed the CEO of the, of the association to a political appointment. Once Merrick Garland bit. And do you know Merrick Garland wants nothing to do with the story? about the Loudoun County School Board in Virginia. That story has taken on a life of its own. The details we now know are somewhat different. Uh, a lot of people have made it about uh, transgender bathrooms and that we shouldn't have boys and girls' bathrooms. And it appears now there's a twist on the story. You recall the Daily Caller broke the story. A father showed up at one of the school board meetings, confronted the school board. They had him dragged away and arrested for the confrontation. His daughter had been raped in a girl's bathroom by a transgender student. And the school board made the father the bad guy. In fact, what is notable is that as the story came out, the media very much tried to cover for the transgender student. And we now know that this transgender student has been involved in more than one sexual assault. And we know the FBI reached out to the school system and the school system waved the FBI off as these reports started trickling out. But now they want to go after the parents, including the parent who showed up and caused the scene. And we also know the school board lied. Uh, the school superintendent was, in fact, notified of the sexual assault. Uh, the school system said the superintendent had not been notified. A FOIA request revealed the superintendent had been notified. And, in fact, the board had been notified. The board, the school board, claimed to have no knowledge of the incident. But there's now a twist and in fairness to the story, you do have to consider the twist that it, it turns out not necessarily to be about a transgender bathroom issue, per se. It turns out in the testimony, there was a trial. The boy has been found uh, more likely can, can go to, a, it was, I guess, a preliminary hearing to go to trial. 
And the girl who was assaulted admitted she had gone into the bathroom, the girl's bathroom, several times previously and had sexual relations with this boy. The same one who assaulted her. But there's no dispute that she did not go looking for that that day. That he forcibly imposed himself on her with force and violence and raped her. What I find remarkable is that to downplay it, and by the way, the, the boy was dressed in a, in a skirt. And what I find remarkable in all of this is that members of the media are somehow amplifying that the girl, the victim, the victim asked for it, basically. The justice reporter for the Washington Post essentially engaging in victim shame over the situation. It is a very bizarre take to try to minimize and downplay. Listen to this. This is a justice reporter, Justin Juvenile for the Washington Post. A teen testified she met a classmate for consensual sex in the girl's bathroom of a Loudoun County High School before, but in a May encounter, she was sexually assaulted. Wow. And that's kind of been the media take here is that she she brought this on herself. Now, I, I'm old enough to remember when you weren't supposed to say that about rape victims, but when the situation undermines the claims of the of the transgender community, apparently you can. And who's the bad guy here? According to Merrick Garland and the Justice Department, it's the dad. The dad of the daughter who stood up for his daughter and demanded justice is the bad guy. Because he showed up at the school board and demanded to be heard. They wouldn't hear him. They had him arrested. They said they had no knowledge of him or his concerns or anything. And now we know they lied. This is also going to impact Terry McAuliffe. You know, I, I feel like I'm I'm saying this as, as the caveat here. I'm beginning to believe that Glenn Youngkin can actually pull this off in Virginia. I actually am thinking he, he could win. The polling is now completely tied in Virginia. If the polling is tied in Virginia, keep in mind there tends to be about a two-point bias among likely voters towards the Democrats. So if you're at a tie, the Republicans tend to have an edge, particularly in a place like Virginia. I think he could do it. It's going to be close. And, of course, you know, Terry McAuliffe is out there now saying that uh, actually there was voter suppression. Stacey Abrams should really be the governor of Georgia. He's peddling the the big lie. You remember it was the big lie until Donald Trump said 2020 was stolen. Now, of course, it's or it wasn't the big lie. Now it's the big lie. Republicans say it. Terry McAuliffe still gets to say it about 2018. And he's running down the democracy saying that our elections are not fair. The next day. She would be the governor of Georgia today had the governor of Georgia not disenfranchised 1.4 million Georgia voters before the election. That's what happened to Stacey Abrams. They took the votes away. Uh, yeah. The big lie, except he, he said it, so we have to give him a pass. The Democrats get to say all the crazy stuff. And the media tends to agree with them, and they give them a pass. But we we, we got problems here now. Turns out Merrick Garland 
decided to make parents domestic terrorists. You know, can I just say, just random aside here, it's related, I guess I shouldn't say random. In the 21st century, in the year 2021, who saw parents being bad? Who saw that parents would become the would become the domestic terrorists of the day? This is this is actually crazy to me. This is is genuinely uh, just unfathomably crazy to me that the Biden administration would treat parents as domestic terrorists for having the audacity to think they should have a say in their children's education. By the way, did you know there's a provision of the Virginia Constitution that says parents have the right to oversee the conduct and, uh, and curriculum or, or the, the education of their children, not the curriculum, the education of their children. It's a parental right. Georgia has a similar provision in its constitution. Most states do. And yet, parents are now domestic terrorists. You know, there's new poll, there's new data. I shouldn't say it's not polling, it's data. How did Joe Biden win Michigan? Joe Biden did not win Michigan by picking off blue-collar male voters, as some suspected. Joe Biden won Michigan, barely, by convincing just enough college-educated white men to go his way. A lot of those college-educated white men are parents. And now they're considered domestic terrorists by the Department of Justice if they want to have a say in their child's education. I, In the Democratic bubble, this stuff works, you know. In the Democratic bubble, they, 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 this stuff works. In the Democratic bubble, this stuff is, is it's legit. But it doesn't work in the rest of America. The Democrats have got to get out of their bubble. If they want to win. Now, I as a as a conservative, as a Republican, I'm fine with them staying in the bubble. They'll never see us coming. They really will. And that's why when Terry McAuliffe loses on Tuesday, they're going to say that the race was stolen by the Republicans. They're setting themselves up to scream stolen election because in their bubble, Democrats do not win a liar, do not lose elections. No one they know votes Republican. And they will keep having this problem until they are willing to get out of uh, progressive enclaves on the coast and actually start getting to know Americans and not view them as domestic terrorists or seditionists or insurrectionists or, or secessionists, but as actual neighbors. Secularists do not have a provision to love their neighbor, and so they don't. Unless their neighbor looks and thinks exactly like them. And that is to their detriment in the long-term play of winning elections in this country. Demography is not destiny. But when you get inside a bubble, you can probably think it is, and it'll come back to bite you. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson, the phone number 877-973-7425. Those of you who are trying to call your senator to oppose drafting daughters... Uh, the phone line, more and more people are getting to work. It looks like the, the database issues have settled themselves out. There were just so many people who called all at once. If you're unfamiliar with the issue, the United States Senate is considering a change to the National Defense Authorization Act. They want to draft daughters. They want to force your daughter to apply for the selective service. We had a caller, Troy, from Florida who said he called Senator Rick Scott's office, and the staffer said, well, no, it's actually optional 
to allow your daughter to apply to the selective services she wants. That's not true. Several friends of mine who are lawyers and looked at the language have told me that's not true at all. In fact, what they've done is they've uh, blanketly now gotten rid of the word male for selective service. So everyone has to apply for the selective service for the draft. I personally think you should oppose your daughters having to go fight wars. I, I just do. You may disagree. I personally think that we should not force our daughters to go to war. If you agree with me, you need to call your senator and tell your senator to oppose this provision in the NDAA. What you do is you text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to the number 33777, and I will send you back my action center phone number. You call it, put in your zip code, and I will connect you to your senator, and you can tell your senator to oppose drafting daughters in the NDAA. Now, I realize... I say all the time, it has become somewhat of a motto for me, and I'm telling you the truth. People are stupid. And the internet has given stupid people larger platforms with which to show us their stupidity. Exhibit 3,287,189,011. Lux Alptrom. And the headline is Arizona's Kirsten Cinema. Bad for bisexual Americans. Bisexual women are constantly told we're untrustworthy, that our attraction to multiple genders means we're more likely to cheat. It wasn't that long ago that embattled Arizona Senator Kirsten Kristen Cinema was hailed as a triumph of bisexual representation. After she was sworn in in January 2019, out celebrated the first openly bisexual senator as a rebuke to Trumpism, positioning the sassy lawmaker in opposition to homophobic then-Vice President Mike Pence. But just a few years into her tenure, public opinion has soured on cinema. Instead of a brash bisexual icon willing to be able to stand up to the far right, She's now seen as an unreliable centrist, a self-absorbed Democratic turncoat, more fixated on getting attention and lining her own pockets than uplifting her community. No longer a bi-icon, she's now held up as a cautionary tale about the limits of representation. What the hell does her Senate positions have to do with someone being bisexual? I have no idea. When you you so envelop your sexual orientation to your political beliefs, I guess this is what you get. I guess this is like, uh, yeah, this is akin to Christians writing about other Christians who support abortion rights. At least we recognize we have a faith-based position. Apparently, your faith-based position, if you're a bisexual American, is you got to be in the Democratic Party and a progressive, a secular progressive. And if you're not, you're untrustworthy, unreliable, and should not be held up as an icon. This is, secularization is a religion with religious dogma, and this is another example of it. It's Eric Erickson. It's my show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. You can call in and be a part of the program if you want, 877-973-7425. Operators are standing by, so to speak. I got to, well, talk about some of this stuff the Biden administration is proposing. One of the uh, the justice, so there's a, a, what is it, the justice movement or some such. It's a progressive movement 
calling for various reforms in the country related to race and anti-racism. Now, I, I, I need you to know, anti-racism, John McWhorter is an academic, black academic who writes about these issues and he is saying something I've been saying for a while, this sort of stuff is religion. What is religion? Religion is a belief in a higher power, a belief in a transcendent being. It's a belief in something greater than yourself that motivates you and compels you to act. That's what a religion is. Small religions tend to start out as cults where it's one person and a group of followers of that person. Uh, religion means that, that cult has expanded significantly. And in, in so being, it moves from the words of the cult leader to a, a prescribed doctrine with dogmas and orthodoxy and beliefs. Everyone worships someone or something. There is no, there are anti theists, but there are no atheists. Everybody worships someone or something. Now, I know there are people out there who say they, they have no belief in God, but they do. Not, not it's, it's not the Christian God. It's not the Islamic God. It's not the Jewish God. It's not the, the Hindu gods. But everybody's got a belief in a God. Everyone is controlled by some motivating force in the universe. Everyone has a God. There are no atheists out there. You tend to be able to tell what you worship by what you spend your money on. Where do you pour your extra cash? If you don't have it, you you only spend it on, on things related to you. You might be worshiping yourself. You are your own God. That's where a lot of atheists wind up. But even then, they begin to get they, they want to improve their world. Now, the, the, the problem for secularists is that they have their religion, and it is a religion. It has its own tenets and orthodoxies. It has its, its own beliefs, liturgies, and practices. The problem for secularism, though, is that it does not have a healthy eschatology. Study the end times. For secularists, this is all they have. There is no hell there is the void. And for secularists, they can get no relief. They, they, they have to bring heaven to earth because there is no heaven after death. They have to make heaven here. And they split off in various ways in various denominations. The environmentalists, it's all about the planet. Now you have the anti-racism denomination. And they too have to bring heaven to earth. And the problem here as well is, is it always leads to secularism, atheism, it always leads to violence. We saw it with the communists. We saw it with the Nazis. We see it around the world because in their eschatology, there is no afterlife. There, there is no heaven, so heaven must come to earth. And so the people who stand in the way have to be shoved aside, silenced, destroyed, killed. In this country, 
cancel culture derives from the secular desire to bring heaven to earth. Those who do not adhere to the secular religion, those heretics and apostates, they got to be destroyed. They got to be canceled. They've got to be silenced. They've got to be driven from the stage. Their ideas cannot be allowed to compete lest others be lured to their heresies of Christianity, conservatism, other priorities. They they, got to be ruined. They got to be silent, stamped out. Anti-racism has become a denomination of the secular religion. Everything must be done to destroy racism. Now, Christians, Christianity has the only worldview that can stand the test of time in large part because it has a it has a view of sin that is innate to us. Now, you hear the the anti-racist, they're they're developing their uh, original sin doctrine. You hear them say all the time people are born into sin that babies in the womb, they hear their parents and and they learn the sin and so they are sinners from birth and they get that. The the problem is that the anti-racists believe there is no God, so the gods are the, the prevailing orthodoxies and, and orthodox pri- high priests of the anti-racism religion, which are the, the activists and the academics. And they will purge from you your sin. But see, here's the thing. There's no forgiveness and there's no grace. There's no redemption. An atheist or a, a, a racist is always a racist, though their racism may be suppressed. And they may perform in certain ways to show they have overcome their racism, but at heart, because of their birth, they will always be a part of them. Just as a Christian can repent of sin, but is still a sinner, a racist can repent of racism and they are still a racist. But they're on the path of sanctification towards justification and salvation. And that salvation comes when all the racists are shut up and silenced and all the racists are not real racists. They're people not down with the anti-racist agenda. Now, the anti-racist agenda actually hurts the poor and minority communities because anti-racism is largely driven by rich white people who feel guilty about themselves and don't have the language or understanding of of Judeo-Christian religion to understand the innateness of their own sin. They're in search for a God and they found it in the mirror. And their God calls them to action to absolve them of their guilt. So they must act. And in their actions, they can harm poor people. They can harm black people. They can avoid the advancement. So look at New York City where they're having to get rid of the gifted program because too many Asian kids are in it. Not enough black and Hispanic kids. So every other child's life must be ruined. Black children must be forced into public schools around the country. They can't be given the opportunities to private schools where they might learn a competing religion like Christianity. They got to stay and be indoctrinated in the public schools. And their police must be defunded and taken from them because they may not realize it. They may say they want the police, but they are so indoctrinated into white supremacy, they don't realize the police are bad for them. These are the prevailing orthodoxies of the secular anti-racist religion. 
I, I've told you all this before. Some of you have thought I was making it up, and I'm actually being very serious here. I know multiple situations. I have talked to people involved in multiple situations where after the George Floyd incident, after the George Floyd murder, let's be honest with what it was, it was a murder. When Americans kind of had the scales fall off their eyes and realized we, we, we do have problems in this country related to the police and, and race, it's not it's not all police officers are bad. In fact, the majority of them are overwhelmingly good, but there are issues and there are disparities based on race in some cases, not all cases. Sometimes they're overstated, but we, we got a ways to go on racial reconciliation in this country. That That's not a woke statement. That's a reality. But I know of multiple groups. I have heard these stories from the women involved, black women involved who listened to my program in Atlanta. They, they went to these racial reconciliation groups, meeting with the white women. Overwhelmingly, the white women were upper income white women who wanted to be involved. And on multiple occasions, these black women who have talked to me have told me that when they just wanted to be treated as an equal, they, they, they didn't they didn't want to ask for extra. They just, in their words, wanted, wanted the white people, want white people to treat them like they treat other white people. To not be suspicious of them and their kids when they walk through a white neighborhood. To not be suspicious when it's a black person in a car. Things like that. That's what they said they wanted. They don't want extra. They just they just want equality. And the white women began to lecture them that they didn't even realize that they should want more because they've been so indoctrinated and oppressed by white supremacy that they didn't realize they should be demanding even more than that. They're like, we, we don't want more than that. We just want equality. And it was profound. One of the the women who was involved told me that she was profoundly dismayed as a black woman to be lectured by white women on what the black woman needs as if the black woman did not know because she could not see through the white supremacy around her. She sees very clearly, but it was what the, the, she dropped out of the group she was in because she said what it turned out to be was a bunch of rich white women who have no association with her, will never have association with her or her neighborhood, who wanted to feel good about themselves, to absolve themselves of their sins. And she's right. Anti-racism is a religion. And one of the one of the big issues within the anti-racist religion is bail. Now, there have been a series of efforts by the anti-racist progressives to get rid of cash bail to essentially say, I, I can't, I'm going to let you out of jail without posting bail. You can't post bail, therefore you have to stay in jail. And the anti-racists say that's discriminatory because poor black men can't afford the bail, so they stay in jail. So we got to get rid of cash bail. Study after 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 study has shown getting rid of cash bail has directly contributed to the increase in crime in urban areas around this country. Turns out a lot of criminals happen to be poor, sometimes black. They can't afford bail. They get locked up. They can't be let out. You let them out because there's no bail requirement anymore. You just got to let them out. They go back to crime. And the crime is going up in large part because of that. So the Biden administration has released their gender equity and equality plan. 
one of their proposals for gender equity is to get rid of cash bail. That cash bail that when it was done away with in places like New York City saw a direct increase in crime related to it, they want to get rid of it nationwide. They want to ban cash bail. Y'all, this is one of those situations that is going to blow up in the Democrats' face. But again, you got to keep in mind, this is religion for a lot of them. This is the advance of religion for them. And advancing that religion, they believe they've got to advance this. And for the Biden administration, the Biden administration, they don't care. What the Biden administration cares about is, is they got to, you got the Christians are going to show up against Biden. So he's got to get the anti-religious, anti-racist religion to show up for him. This is all about firing up the progressives. It's all about firing up progressive activists to come out and vote for Joe Biden next year. The problem is it's going to backfire. It scratches the itch of the anti-racist religious zealots, but it makes crime worse. The people who want to defund the police now want to also let the criminals out of prison without consequence, and that's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt our small businesses as crime goes up, as theft goes up. And they don't care because, again, they're dealing with religious zealots on the left. Now, like most people in Atlanta, I care about small businesses and I care about the the job creators out there. And I want to welcome you guys, a, a new advertiser, the Job Creator Network. I'm excited about the Braves being the World Series. I'm not happy, though, that the wokes out there and their actions against Major League Baseball. And, and you know, they, they came after companies in Atlanta for not doing enough to stand up on voting rights. They're doing this in Texas now. You all remember uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of MLB, yanked the All-Star game from Atlanta to protest the new voting law. And here's the kicker. Despite alternative facts pushed by the mainstream media and all sorts of progressives, the law in Georgia, like the law in Texas now that they're dealing with there, it actually makes it easier to vote. It makes it harder to cheat. But Major League Baseball... And big companies like Coca-Cola and Delta caved to the woke mob. Now they flip-flopped and they are thrilled the World Series is going to be in Atlanta. The Job Creator Network, the country's premier conservative small business advocacy organization, is calling on Coke and Delta executives to donate any tickets they have to the World Series to Atlanta's small business community. Those businesses are the ones who suffered when Coke and Delta stood with Stacey Abrams and the like and got the All-Star game to leave and go to Denver. So now maybe Coke and Delta, they got these tickets. They need to hand them over to the small businesses who suffered and give them a bonus. So I would applaud the Job Creator Network for taking a stand and encourage you to join them at the JobCreatorsNetwork.com. That's JobCreatorsNetwork.com. Take a stand for small businesses that suffered when Major League Baseball departed decided to punish Georgia and move the all-star game out of the state. They can't move the World Series, and now the companies that were with the Wokes should maybe think about the small businesses they hurt when that happened. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Now listen, they are in Noonan, Georgia, but it doesn't matter because they can help you nationwide. Wherever you are in the nation, if you're in charge of the finances for your business and you need access to loans, refi, you need to buy a building, build a building, get a fleet of cars, whatever, something big, six figures and up, reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan. They make their own lending decisions. They've been doing this since the 90s. 
where a lot of big banks are turning down businesses now, they want to help you get to yes. Spend just a few minutes with them. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Ilhan Omar was one of the congresswomen who said uh, the police need to be defunded. She wanted to gut the police force in Minnesota, particularly in Minneapolis after George Floyd. Now listen to this. What we must also recognize is that the reduction in policing currently in our city and the lawlessness that is happening um, is due to two things. One, the police have chosen to not fulfill their oath of office and to provide the public safety they are owed to the citizens they serve. So... She wants to get rid of the police. She puts pressure on to get rid of the police. And now she says, well, the police aren't policing. She wants to have it both ways. This is the woman who has disparaged police nationwide and attacked them. And she says that they're now to blame because they don't have enough of them. She wanted to defund She got her way. Now, by the way, in New York City, The police there are saying if you don't have shots by Friday, your vaccine by Friday, you could lose your job. And a whole lot of the police force is still not getting vaccinated in New York. It continues to boggle me, to boggle my mind that we're treating first responders now as the villains if they don't get vaccinated when they had been the heroes. This is, again, we are seeing religious orthodoxy creep into the left. Uh, people who who don't go to church and they're embracing, I mean, you've got heretics and apostates now on the left and they, they got to burn the witches. They, they got to, they got to burn them. And, and now it's the first responders who, if they don't do comply with left-wing orthodoxy, they're the bad guys. This doesn't end well for any of us, not just left it doesn't end well for any of us. And they can't even see it. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.